Podcast. My name is Connor. I'm a chef and media producer. I am joined as always by my co-producer Darren Lafferty. Hello. He is a veteran in the food service industry. Super, super veteran. <laughs> super veteran <laughs> for, for those uh, listeners. Um, we are here at Next Seed. Um, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about them at the end uh, of the podcast, but they have been gracious enough to host us in Greenway Plaza so that we can actually sit down and talk with Willett of Burger Chan. Um, yes. We are super excited to have you here. Thank you. Not to put the pressure on, but you are our first restaurant that's not a barbecue joint. So <laughs> you need to lead the way for the new listeners. That I was confused bring on, when he walked you know. in. He didn't smell like smoke. I didn't understand <laughs> I what know, was going right? on. I know. So, but I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Really glad that you're here. Um, we just recorded a podcast. So for those who are watching, if we're in the same clothes that we were in uh, in the last <laughs> video, um, we're doing two back to back. Um, we just got done talking to um, Patrick and Aaron and Aaron Fijis. There we go. I'm always going to mumble that from now on. Uh, <laughs> but what I love about that is they have a very similar story as y'all do as far as finding the space. Yes. Um, they're also a very uh, similar dynamic as far as a family owned restaurant, you know, um, fully fledged, you know, family in it. Um, also mm -hmm. with, you know, they have a, a little bit younger of a child than y'all do. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really cool to kind of hear another side of it uh, from different, I mean, literally across neighbors, you know, yes. as far as how it's laid out. So um, I assume he's asking you, you know, like, hey, what's to come with, you know, the next stages of, uh, of their little ones. So of parenting. <laughs> of parenting, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they... Well, everyone, everyone's going to be a little different, and but for sure they, it's been interesting just to see them from you know when when Aaron was just pregnant to having the baby to now she can actually come back to work and um, she's back there. Um, it's it's been very interesting because y'all were in the space I think that was like either next to them before yeah before moving to to your new. Your, your new location yes so y'all were y'all are like the ogs in the in the building you know a little bit you know? yeah so of course before us there was rice box and mm -hmm. greenway coffee before that and um and that's an interesting story too because yes. i think it's very much the same thing and i'm not to jump super far ahead but there's a tie-in with everybody kind of coming into this space with yeah. those two locations so um if you don't mind uh just giving us a a, a quick background um mm -hmm. Because I, I think it's really interesting that, you know, it wasn't it, it it wasn't the well. I'll let you I'll let you tell the story. But you went to school for something else. Yes. So, but where are you from originally? So I was born here, Houston. Okay. But my dad worked uh, oil and gas. All right. So and he loves traveling. So we moved pretty much every time that he could get a new assignment somewhere else, we would move. Um, so every four to six years, we would move. Wow. Just um, trying to get that expat, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, so usually that's like army brat style, right? But how many yeah. different schools? How many different schools? Oh. And so let's see. We moved. I was born here. We moved to New Orleans when okay. I was oh, six. Moved to across to um, Brunei. Um, it's on the island of Borneo. 
around wow. like Malaysia, oh, Singapore, okay. that area. Okay. Um, so I was nine. We were there for four years. Um, the latter two years, I was in Singapore in uh, okay. boarding school. Okay. And then we moved back to Houston, um, so I could, you know, finish high school here or finish uh, middle school and then do high school here for it to be easier to go into to get into a good college. Where'd you go to high school? So I went to Clements. Okay. Yeah. And um, so after Clements, I went to California for a little bit. Um, got into USC, um, which is good actually um, great school. I love it. And uh, that's where my dad went um, for his PhD. Okay. Um, I was there for a year and a half, um, decided to transfer back to Houston, um, went to Rice. Um, which is where I met Diane, my wife, and um, let's see, from there we moved to Seattle um, because uh, Diane was pursuing a PhD okay. in sociology. Um, and we go to Seattle, um, that's when I first started cooking. But your education through Rice uh, yes. was? Um, Asian studies and managerial studies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and actually, so I was originally computer science um, when I was at USC, and then I kind of lost interest along the way. Um, I just wanted to graduate. <laughs> I was like, um, what do I already have a lot of credits in? What, what can I, what gets me out the fastest? Sounds like me. That sounds exactly like But, me. you know, may serve a purpose somewhere down the line so so y'all ship off to seattle yes you are looking for a job in what type of field initially god just office job mm -hmm. let's just <laughs> let's just call it office job just looking for something that my parents wouldn't be too ashamed about <laughs> and it, it doesn't work out we're a month in i'm still just looking for jobs i you know apply everywhere and the few that get back to me I go in to interview and realize this is a terrible job it's you know cold calling or you know salesman you know right. that kind of just I'm definitely not interested in that kind of job um, I've always really enjoyed eating first and foremost but <laughs> you know with that I've tried to cook a little here and there um, growing up not a whole lot of opportunity to cook at home um, that's kind of my mom's territory. She's afraid I'm going to blow the house up or <laughs> cut my hand off. Um, and, you know, kind of we're in Seattle. My parents are in Houston. Um, with that distance, I felt like I could maybe apply to some restaurants, get a little bit of... I, I never thought of it as a long-term thing, just a I want to build up some cooking skills um, because I like to cook and right. I like to eat good food and get paid to do it and get paid right. to do it. Yes. And, um, you know, through I, you know, mistakenly was thinking, obviously, I'm not very confident with how I can cook. Um, so why not do something that doesn't involve cooking at all? So I chose sushi. <laughs> <laughs> which I can tell you now is um, probably the, one of the hardest things the, yeah, I very, was, uh, very intense with technique yes um, and I was very fortunate so the place a few places replied um, place that I finally worked at was a, a place called Isle of Sushi um, there are a few of them um, and 
it was intense. It was just not anything I was ever I, I could prepare for. And is is this in Seattle, like proper, like like in the in the heart of Seattle? Yeah. So this one was on Lake Union, okay. which is um, pretty close to right downtown so so for listeners who may not know it's super competitive as far as restaurant market in that in that area it's almost like being in the heights where you know it's not like you walk into a restaurant and it's like oh okay this is just the family place or whatever and if the food's bullshit side by side yeah yeah exactly i mean rent is expensive as hell there's a lot of good chefs in seattle um there's a lot of great establishments as well and so the, the competition is high so you're not walking into whatever sushi spot late, you know, late back joint. right exactly. <laughs> um it was a very good spot very talented chefs there um but like any restaurant anywhere it's hard to staff yeah. <laughs> so um i go in you know no experience you know the the sushi chef looked at me as like so i don't understand why do you want to why do you want to work here you went to college he's like in Japan, you know, it's typically ex-cons who, who go into cooking. Um, and I was just like, well, you know, I love to eat and I want to become better at cooking. Um, and, you know, they agreed. Um, probably very desperate. <laughs> um, and I was lucky. I was lucky because my knife skills were terrible. It took a good few months um, to really hone in on on how to cut things properly and so many so many small cuts along the way but they really pushed for me to not be afraid to cut myself um to try to go for speed um and i think that was very very useful this is probably you know a a testament to wanting to work hard showing up to work hard knowing how to work um, that is like, okay, you know what? You can make mistakes here because we see the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know you were talking about staffing and so forth, and it's still an issue today. Just having people, it, it's like, I don't care if you come with zero background or whatnot. If you come to show up to work, right. I'm going to give you the opportunity. Just work hard, you know? Yeah. I, 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 can teach, I can teach knife skills. I can't teach, yeah. you know, showing up and wanting to, to put in the time. That's, I, I classify that as need to work and want to work. It exactly. sounds like Willie <laughs> wanted to work. Right. I mean, yes. yes, I need to pay bills, but I like to eat and I want to get better at it and I'm going to show up. And yes, I have a degree, so it means I'm a little bit more mature. I'm going to be here. And so the guy's probably like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a pretty good business case. So as long as he didn't cut his finger off, we should be okay. Yeah. You know? right. But you wanted to work, it sounded like. You had yes. a real desire to be there. And that's, that's a big difference between mm-hmm. people who, in a down economy where it's hard to find good quality people, people who want to work will show up. You can train them. Right? You can train them. Yeah, I think you just kind of like downplayed that a little bit where you're like, well, you know, da-da-da. I'm like, dude, no, like, there's a reason why a chef is going to keep you in there. Because if you're fucking up enough, they'll kick your ass oh, out, yeah. you know? But, yeah. <laughs> um, so how long was that stint? So that was a year. Okay. Um, Diane uh, decided she didn't want a PhD in sociology, um, and she did test prep and editing and... Um, City search? No. What was it? City search. Um, just a few jobs to see because she, she likes schooling and she kind of wanted to figure out if she wanted to be a teacher or an editor or something. Um, and at a certain point, both our parents were like, 
what are you guys still doing in Seattle? <laughs> like, if you're not, if she's not going to school there and you're in a restaurant, you should move back to Houston. <laughs> so we moved back. And how, um, how old are you at this time? Um, 24, 25. And are y'all just dating or are y'all engaged? Um, engaged. Engaged. Okay. Yes. Perfect. And uh, so we moved back and I felt, I don't want to say pressure, but I felt the need to give an office job a fair shot again. So um, applied to a ton of jobs. Again, just really bad results. Uh, places replying um, are not the kind of places that I want to work at. And eventually, kind of went to my parents. I'm like, you know, I think I want to go back into restaurants. I think I want to want to do this long term. And typical Chinese parents, you know, my dad's like, okay, well then you need your you need to get education. So they sent me to culinary school, um, which was great. Obviously, they they're just like, yeah, you know, we'll pay for it. Like, we just want you to to get the right background to know what you're doing. And plus, if you ever, you know, the way they look at it is, aside from the practical applications of of going to culinary school, but there are certain jobs, like let's say executive chef of a hotel where it's almost a prerequisite. Like you right. cannot right. just, you know, come up from being a dishwasher and working really hard mm-hmm. to just one day being, I mean, you, you, maybe you could, but I think a lot of hotels want to say, you know, this is our executive chef from Le Cordon Bleu. Right. Yeah. Um, so it made sense and, and I started looking and we ended up in Austin. Um, so there was a Le Cordon Bleu there. Of course, they're, they're all gone now. Uh, that's another story <laughs> but we're in Austin for a couple of years um, did my externship at a hotel went to work at a, a few places and then we moved back to Houston um, where I became a personal and private chef for a year I was just trying to figure things out former Houston Rocket. Yeah, so I... Can you give the name? Sure, Tracy McGrady. Hey, yeah. very cool. <laughs> Super cool guy. Um, he has, you know, good family. And it was just, I got the call out of nowhere. This is about a few months into into being a personal chef. Um, I guess having a website helps. Uh, <laughs> so that when they Google, you know, personal chefs, they can find you. And, uh, yeah. and honestly, up to that point, it hadn't been very productive. I had had a few clients, um, nothing long term. I was already starting to think, okay, maybe I should uh, just jump back into a restaurant at this point because this this um, personal chef thing isn't working out. And then I get this call, and she's like, the the lady on the phone was like my client, um, blah blah blah, and she was just being very vague. Mm-hmm. I did the only natural thing I could do after the call was I googled number and it popped up and it was like some like Tracy McGrady foundation. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I kind of knew going to the address where I was going. And uh, very cool. um, it was, it was very interesting. I did it for about half a year and it was good. But I think what I realized was it is very hard 
to cook for just one family because you're limited by dietary restrictions you're limited by their palate mm-hmm. um it's just not very fulfilling um when you still want to prove yourself when you still want to learn um experiment exactly figure out who you are as a chef it just kind of felt like there were too many limitations and i couldn't cook the food i wanted to cook was it also like an around the clock gig where it was they wanted breakfast lunch dinner so yes and no i i went i would go in five days a week um pretty sweet schedule actually i would shop in the mornings go over cook um breakfast and lunch if they happen their their schedules are crazy too (laughs) um this was the off season but still um if it just happened to be you know the right time i would cook to order um but if not they were also okay with just things being packaged ready to go back in the oven or go into the microwave yeah, because yeah. a friend of mine who I played basketball with in college became the personal chef of Dwayne Johnson, so mm-hmm. The Rock. Um, but his whole thing was, I mean, super organic, as fresh as possible. So, I mean, yeah. he was waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> grabbing groceries at, at the farmer's yeah. market, cooking breakfast, then going back out, cooking lunch. And then, I mean, obviously, <laughs> The Rock is eating 20 <laughs> times a day, you know, so he's got packaged meals type of thing. Don't we yeah. all? We, 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 I know, right? You don't yeah. do that? No. <laughs> No, no, not everybody's got the arms <laughs> like you, Darren. So, not I mean, me, not I, me. No, I saw that picture with your daughter, man. Like, no. as thick as my thighs, <laughs> we man. Di- what the hell? We digress. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just, you know, I, I think listeners may think that, like, a private chef gig is, is, is an easy gig or something like that. And, I mean, there are aspects that are, but there's a lot of aspects that definitely aren't. <laughs> yeah, so I will say when I – so when I went and started working for him, I kind of became a private chef versus – when I was a personal chef, it was actually a lot harder in that you bring all your stuff to each client's place. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did my research. I joined some kind of association that has a lot of resources for, for personal chefs. And people are lugging around everything, you know, pots, pans, you know, your whole kitchen, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sucked. <laughs> I would never want to do that again. I think it's also kind of just You're a mobile kitchen, basically. Yeah, um, it's not. I I also don't enjoy that. <laughs> okay, so that was off season. Yes, and then after that, and then after that, um, Oxart was about to open, mm-hmm. um, and so I went on to the opening crew and stayed there for about. 10 months, I think close to a year. Super hard work. Just anyone who has worked there. Um, I mean, I just, I don't even think people know like how much work goes into it. Uh, it's insane. It's a, it's a completely different style of, I think, menu and cuisine that I think Houston had seen before, really. I mean, because there, yeah. there was a huge Nordic influence into that restaurant. Plates are right. relatively small. Um, there's a lot of different components to it where there's a lot of pickling, there's a lot of mm-hmm. preserving, there's a lot of acid and, yes. and, and um, high quality meat, you know, type of things. Um, but the setup was also different too. And I don't yeah. need to, to, to talk to you, but I had dined there once for, for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you you could see that there was you know eight or nine people that it wasn't a traditional kind of kitchen setup where one person has one right. section one section one section um can you talk about that a little bit sure so i was there at the beginning and so at the beginning there were just uh four of us in the kitchen mm-hmm. um four of us in the kitchen obviously um justin and karen uh, the head baker and two front of house uh, one of them was Justin Van, uh, the sommelier. Um, and uh, it was a very interesting idea in that the kitchen would send out the dishes and describe them um, and then bus tables on the way back. And in doing so, it legally allowed us to take tips um, because, you know, tips leads to such a great disparity between back of house and front of house. Mm-hmm. Um, easily front of house makes double the triple what any back of house member makes um, because of tips. And this way kind of leveled the playing field a little. Right. Um, but also through a curveball in that you've got something cooking or going. Absolutely. Yet you've got to run out. Probably answer a couple questions, yeah. you know, for diners who may not be familiar with this type of food at all. Yeah. You know, even the upper echelon clientele, this was brand spanking new for a lot of yeah. us, you know, a lot of them, not upper echelon. I wasn't trying to throw myself in that category. <laughs> Sorry. It was, it was really raw new food, to me food. though, for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I can imagine that that was, you know, a, a big learning curve. <laughs> I mean, after the first couple of months, it, it got smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, the first month was tough, um, <laughs> especially since we kind of we really rotated, um, sending out the dishes. Um, so at one point, I was the first hot side cook, um, and even as the hot side cook, I had to send stuff out, which stopped later. I'm I like later on, like if you're cooking, you're not sending food out because right. it's crazy. <laughs> um, what was really cool was we rotated stations um pretty regularly so it just allowed us all to get a lot more experience obviously cross training is smart for any kitchen um that way if someone can't make it at least everyone knows how to do sick quits you know yeah drops dead i mean whatever but does it keep the covered playing field a little even too where no one like I mean meat stations usually the you know the one where it's like oh man you know I want to be meat station you know right no so for sure it was just we were pretty much all equals um even prep you know kind of well you prep your station so it shifts depending on what station you're on so everyone got um, a lot of exposure into into everything which was great yeah that's good um, we're going to take a quick break, uh, hear a word from our sponsor, because okay. I know coming up is, is kind of a big break for you, um, which I'm excited to talk about. And I don't mean to lead people into the next section, but, you know, <laughs> just give them a little teaser, teaser, a little cliffhanger. Um, so we're going to hear a word quick from Duke's Premium Meats. We'll be right back with part two. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. 
Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Hey, awesome. Welcome back to part two of the Cost of Goods Told podcast. We are here at Next Seed. They've been gracious enough to host us. Very cool. Um, I am here with Darren Lafferty uh, and also Willett of Burger Chan. Um, we just kind of recapped your culinary career leading mm-hmm. up to Oxheart. Um, like I said, kind of in part one, there's a there's a key moment that happened uh, while you were at Oxheart, if you don't mind talking about that a little bit. Sure. Um, so at a certain point, Diane and I decided we wanted to go overseas. We wanted to move um, before starting a family. And uh, obviously, we were kind of drawn to Asia. So we looked into um, Shanghai, Taiwan, uh, Japan, Hong Kong, just um, places that kind of interest us. And we both kind of started applying for jobs eventually Diane got a job in Shanghai. Her job is more important um, for the benefits reasons, you know, uh, work visa, insurance, all that. And, and But as luck would have it, um, in one of my last weeks at Oxart, um, there was a chef that dined over there with um, his now wife and her parents um, who live in Houston. And they're having a great time. And at some point, he produces a business card to uh, to Justin Van. And Justin Van knew I was moving to Shanghai. And he's like, hey, business card says he's from Shanghai. I think you should talk to him a little more. Um, and so I go back and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the chef of this place called the Grumpy Pig. Uh, awesome name. And... Uh, <laughs> And he's like, you know, um, if you're moving to Shanghai, why don't we keep in touch? I'm actually thinking of moving back to New York um, around summertime. And sorry, I don't even know how that works. I don't either. I just hit the red button. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> so he was like, you know, you know, if the timing works out. Maybe when you move to Shanghai, you can just take over my position as chef of this restaurant. I think, okay, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to him. I don't hear back for like months. I'm thinking, oh, whatever, um, is what it is. And then summertime comes. We're about to, we're getting ready to go. He's like, hey, you still interested in that job? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so we go to Shanghai, and um, and we have brunch there. Kind of meet the owners. Um, really cool group. So you're already living there at this time, or you just went for a visit? We moved there, and then we were planning. This was at the beginning of summer, and then we were gonna. Um, so we got married, like while I was at Oxart. A honeymoon is just out of the question; just right. impossible. They they actually closed the restaurant um, on our wedding day, um, and we invited everyone. They all showed up and. Justin will always remind me, you know, you cost me five thousand dollars. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so obviously, I couldn't ask for a honeymoon. Um, so we got to Shanghai, um, met the owners, and then kind of went on this little little trip to all the places we were also considering. Okay. 
Um, so we went to Japan and Taiwan and Hong Kong, and it was great. <laughs> and um, such a cool group. So the restaurant is owned, was owned, uh, not anymore, but um, there was a Shanghai native who uh, went to Japan for eight years. Um, he loves anything pork related and he developed a love for hip-hop and kind of brought hip-hop back to china he um he is referred to as the godfather of hip-hop in china um and you know one of the other owners very talented um guy from new york chinese american um architect by trade um did some very interesting things in shanghai um, outside of the restaurant as well and finally um the chef who is vietnamese american from new york and uh, just a very cool group of people very passionate and um they created this this restaurant that you know kind of targets expats um and it just you know i thought it was really cool and i really wanted to go there and just well, also, I didn't have anything else lined up. So it was just like, you guys will take me. That's great. You know, it's, your wife is laughing so hard. It's just it, it, it's a plus that it's cool. You know, not uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not a place that I would just be like, mm, I don't know, you know. Right. So was was it because they had other businesses that this restaurant could kind of function that way um, where it wasn't um, their main like, you know, because some people have yeah. trophy restaurants, you know. So not quite. They still needed it to be profitable. Um, they're all, you know, quite business minded. So obviously, if we're bleeding cash, they would just pull the plug. Right. Um, but it was, God, working in China was very different. Um, just everything is different from, you know, you order stuff. And over here, you know, we have what u.s foods cisco jake's finer foods you know big trucks come in you know it seems very normal in china that's not the case you find one person who will go to the marketplace for you and then they just they ride their motorcycles and have like gigantic bags on the you know balance on there and go to each restaurant and just drop it off really? that's um, the delivery system yeah that's the delivery system no big companies that have pallet trucks or anything just on bikes <laughs> well i guess i guess the the motorways and the traffic and the lanes don't allow for 18 wheelers as much as we do here right? yeah we i mean build 10 lanes across yeah to accommodate these types of, of conveniences for restaurants well you right. may think it's an inconvenience because it's a food <laughs> distributor but you know what i'm getting at yeah and over there it's just jam-packed with the population is crazy it's jam-packed i think maybe part of it is just there are enough wet markets everywhere mm -hmm. um so as long as your your salesperson, you know, he'll just go to the nearest wet market and get everything gotcha. for you. Gotcha. So it's it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. um, this is also your first leadership role. Yes. Um, leadership, not really my thing. It is uh, incredibly hard for me. Um, it's always been much easier to just work hard and, you know, for the most part, follow directions, but then improvise when you feel like you need to. Execute. You execute a plan really well. Yeah. So. Um, telling people what to do is not... 
it's very hard. It's very hard for me. And I didn't really enjoy it. And especially just there too, it's just very hard, you know. I can I can speak Mandarin, but every now and then I still feel like even even if there wasn't an issue with communicating, but I think there's such a cultural difference where right. sometimes you just cannot see eye to eye on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's funny because, you know, people are talking about, you know, the different colors of personality here or mm-hmm. what have you, whatever it was, the acronyms before when we were growing up. You yeah. Know? Um, I can imagine that that doesn't translate Across, you know, overseas. You know, yeah. I was the expat kid as well. We lived in Cairo, Egypt, and Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. People don't show up at the office at, you know, seven o'clock or eight o'clock. They stroll yeah. in around nine thirty, ten after they've had, you know, their their coffee <laughs> and they've had their walk on the beach, you know, type of thing. Where, and so, where is this? I, I know, right? No, yeah, right. You, <laughs> um, well, that's millennials. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I can't imagine one learning the operations of a restaurant mm-hmm. at that level where it's like you're being thrown curveballs that I mean yeah. you, you could watch Justin all you want yeah he wasn't sending some dude on a, on a bike to go collect stuff <laughs> you know um, so then you're, you're thrown into that role yeah. to learn how to lead people and we've talked about leadership being yeah. being a key component in, in the restaurant industry especially mm-hmm. um, so learning that on the fly along with the operations of the restaurant mm-hmm. and it's uh, there was no overlap with the previous chef not really no yeah. he um became so in between his meal at oxheart and my arrival our arrival in shanghai he um kind of they redid their bar and really made the the bar experience a lot nicer so he kind of went full in as the head bartender okay huh. um huh. And then the kitchen was kind of, you know, everyone had worked there for long enough where they could execute. Mm-hmm. Just no one was there to lead them. They just kind of did what they needed to do to get the food out. And I, I guess staffing is very different over there. You know, the you know, I thought so, but I would say staffing is hard everywhere. Okay. <laughs> the, the mentality is different, though. The mentality, maybe it was just... The type of restaurant wasn't quite high up enough to attract talent that to attract the people who want to open a restaurant. I've had so many cooks just kind of tell me, "Yeah, what you're doing is great, Nob," um, but you know, and this this kind of stemmed from one of the owners, the the Shanghai native, would also sit in on some interviews um, with potential candidates, and you know, he would always like to stress like. I come from America. I have a lot of experiences. I can teach them, you know, techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had more than one cook, you know, at some point, and they're they were really nice, um, but they're just like, gotta be honest with you, I don't like cooking. I'm not here to learn. <laughs> I'm not going to steal your recipes and open another restaurant like this. Um, I'm just doing this because it pays more than being a janitor. Like. Okay, that's cool. It's ironic, but I right? still need you to work hard yeah. <laughs> and clean well. So learning how to motivate a staff like that, or to get them to at yeah. least execute, because you know, I mean, you're coming with with a pretty serious background where you know you 
you you've got some standards you know yeah. obviously you know not just for yourself but any establishment that you're yeah. walking into um your wife at the time is doing what so she was um teaching at an international school mm -hmm. um she's a math teacher by trade so which we'll get into and i wish you were on the podcast i'm looking at her right now she's in the room for our <laughs> audio listeners she's camera shy. but she's starting to tick me off making me feel really really stupid with those math problems ask me what temperature certain things need to be cooked to okay how about that you know, i'm just giving her a hard time since she's in the room so um so that's that's like you said kind yeah. of the the constant for the family um what um are you able to explore a little bit more, you know, kind of get, get, you know, to, to know the city a little more, get to know the surrounding areas? Yeah. So, um, Shanghai was, was great. And well, every place has their pros and cons. So what was great was just being in a foreign city, but being able to speak the language, um, we explored, but eventually, you know, there were a couple of things that, that made it hard to stay there. Um, one, the air quality is just so bad. Um, two, you know, people are just culturally so different. They do things that just would come off to us as very rude or really weird. It's just definitely there's a huge cultural difference. Um, and, I, and, and I don't think that that's to be like a slight against anything it's kind of like my those are the facts it's, my, it's oh, just yeah, different like yeah. my in-laws are chinese and so when i was at the dinner table oh please pass the salt what the hell are you like <laughs> just say pass me the fucking salt you know like yeah. you talk you talk <laughs> informally with family because that's what shows that your family well they are 30 you, years older than you yeah right that too but, i mean shit if i told my dad pass the fucking salt i'm getting smacked across the face See, all right? I mean. yes sir no sir to this day still you know and that's the difference between you know irish catholic dad you know <laughs> you know chinese father-in-law you know but even even well even those I, can't you know jive sometimes yeah <laughs> and i think so i guess to put it into more context it's kind of made worse by the fact that we are chinese um and actually you know, my parents grew up in, in Taiwan and people in the mainland don't really like Taiwanese people. People in the mainland also don't necessarily like Americans, especially Americans who are Chinese. <laughs> so it's almost a, I don't know, double, triple whammy, whatever you want to think of it as. But they're just like, from America, you look like us, but you're not us. Right. Your Chinese isn't that good. It sounds funny. Um, you think you're so better, you know, so much better than we are because you lived in America. And it's just you you get so much shit right. because you're different. You got that too after going to culinary school with, with yes. some of your establishments <laughs> as well. I you know, I I, I think you, you talked to me about that a little bit. So yes. it's kinda like, Well, I'm just getting shit on no matter no, what. Right? Yeah, from yeah. Sides, so. yeah, no, that's certainly true. Sometimes, you know, and you know this is just because the nature of the kitchen is and this is what i love about about kitchens is it doesn't give a shit about your background mm -hmm. it's very results oriented can you do the job are you good at the job that's it um it's why it's filled with people of different color and people with different backgrounds and but when you come in and you have quote unquote an advantage 
and they worked from nothing to get to where they are mm-hmm. they'll just um they'll they'll tear you a new one you know you come in you're like, i went to culinary school and they would be like oh well you're the new chef around here why don't you show me how to make a fancy <laughs> you know french sauce or something right. just like <laughs> we don't even do french sauces here like just <laughs> yeah. come on give me a break <laughs> how long was that um that you did that overseas so we were there a year and a half year and a half okay and I think you'll notice this trend where I pretty much don't do any job for more than a year or a year and a half. I, I it's think that, just, that's pretty typical, though. Just you know? really wanted to learn a lot of different things. Right. And it's, it's not that the job gets stagnant or anything like that, but there, in, in an industry that one doesn't pay a ton, yeah. you, you need to find something either that you're learning or the next opportunity to move up. Because if you stay in one establishment too long, you're waiting for someone to either quit or die, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, because if they've got the job that you want, they're gonna hold on to it. And it, it's really hard for you know them to take the next leap. So that could be a five year wait period. Right. And in that time, I'm stuck in my same <clears throat> position. Oh. Um, and, and I was gonna say, it sounds like also your adulthood is a lot like your childhood. And that you're yeah. accustomed to moving, right? <laughs> right. You're accustomed True. to moving new sites, new sounds, new yeah. adventures, right? And so whether it be domestically or internationally, which I'm envious of the, your international travel, because <laughs> I've only been a couple times out of the country, but but I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, it just sounds like, you know, you're in a comfort spot, and that's what you're comfortable with is change, yeah. right? And change is hard for a lot of people, but it sounds like you've embraced it. Um, yeah. And also... I think you've embraced something very difficult, which is the restaurant industry. So not having talked to you before, not having known your story before, listening to you and watching you and talking about, so I felt like an obligation to interview for more office jobs. <laughs> I don't think that the job was necessarily wrong for you yeah. as much as it was people could probably read your genuine interest in that position. Yeah. So you may have in the background been shining through with, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a hard worker, mm-hmm. I'm scrappy, and what people in an office job is typically not entrepreneurial, yeah. scrappy, you know, feisty. And so I think you're in the right spot. When, as I listen yeah. and your story begins to unfold itself, what I hear is it's probably meant to be the whole time, right? And I'm, now I'm definitely thankful to not Yeah, and, and it sounds like you're falling into <laughs> and developing into what I would consider a leader Right, and I know we're going to get there with Burger Chan, but <laughs> right. all along, and you said it yourself, it's, I'm not always really comfortable, haven't been comfortable with it, but then now look where you are. Yeah. So your weaknesses are, are moving in the direction of being strengths, and I think that's super cool. So I'm, I'm excited to hear that part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Are I think you, that that's a good segue because we can, we can stop it right there. We'll go into part three because this is kind of a, a great spot to, yes. to you know talk about the journey and, and, and yeah, part it's three. Fun. It's been really fun listening. It really has. Uh, so stay tuned for a quick word from our sponsors, Dupes Premium Meats. Again, we are here at Next Seed. They've been gracious enough to host us for this podcast, and we'll be right back. Dupes Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Dukes Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. But 
welcome back to Cost of Goods, uh, part three. We are here at Next Seed, and our guest in part three is Willett from Burger Chan. Thank you for joining us, Willett. Thank you. His wife is here, too. She's camera shy, mic shy. Really, she's just <laughs> keeping an eye on him, keeping him straight. Uh, but uh, we appreciate your time. We know you've worked all day. And uh, it's probably time for you to go home and relax, but you're spending it with us. So thank you so much. We, we well, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. We appreciate that. Thank you. It's awesome to have you, man. Seriously. Um, so parts one and two, we've talked about this this huge journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it sounds you know, like you had the, uh, the expat itch where it's like things get <laughs> yeah. a little too familiar. And it's like, okay, well, this person recognized <laughs> me at go. the grocery store. Time, time, to, yeah, time yeah. to get the hell out of Dodge, <laughs> you know? Um, Four degree changes. 68 different jobs, <laughs> yeah. 18 different zip codes and countries. and <laughs> um, So you're wrapping up the stint yeah. internationally. You're coming back to Houston because? Um, because we were starting a family. Mm-hmm. So we decided it makes more sense to come back here. Family's all here. Um, the air is nicer. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to wear a face mask anymore? Yeah. No, um, I hated face masks, but I would I would ha- I would wear one because Diane would make me. I probably wouldn't otherwise. They're just so uncomfortable. And I have a question before. We, so when you see people in Houston now mm-hmm. who still wear a face mask or you know some sort of device, mm-hmm. is that just out of pure over caution, or are they from a culture where they did that, so it's just normal to do that? Or um, sometimes. What do you think? They could be sick. Like sometimes. Overseas too, like if you're coughing a lot, you would wear a mask okay. to protect others too. Um, but honestly, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess some people are just very suspicious of yeah. what's in the air. It's and I don't know if they're Chinese. I have no idea if they're Vietnamese. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I see them. Like, man, am I missing something? Is there something going around? I need to have a mask on. But you know, it's typically <laughs> if it's common in Shanghai, right? Where it's you, very where, common. Where you wore it, then I'm wondering, are they from Shanghai or somewhere around there? Yeah. Are they just in abundance of caution? I don't know. So my in-laws used to do it all the time too. Yeah. If, if you were coughing or something, it was like, put this on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, she was the RN. I mean, she was a nurse as well. So you know, my mother-in-law. So. Um, so you're coming back to, to start the family. Yep. Do you have something lined up for you or? No. So we kept it very open um, just because, you know, we're about to become parents. Not really sure what to expect. Um, and did a couple of small jobs in between coming back and, and opening Burger Chan. Um, just, you know, I taught classes at Sir Latab. Um, and I was so ever, ever so briefly a kitchen manager at Dish Society. Um, you know, great, great restaurant, but it was, a not the greatest fit. It just, that one was definitely just a little outside my comfort zone. And, you know, up to that point, I worked in a lot of places where either it's, it's lower volume, um, or if it's higher volume, you know, you kind of have a lot of different stations and it's really spread out. Um, Dish Society is a monster, a beast when it comes to, I still have nightmares of brunch service. I just, I was so bad at it um, on Expo, just too many things on that screen. And then they're all, they all, they go from like, I forget the color, but eventually it turns red mm. if it takes too long. And right. when you see the sea of red, 
you just don't even know what to do. You can't even read it anymore. <laughs> You're just like, what is going on here? That's that's the yeah. technological advancement of the um, the tickets and having that nightmare of that. You know, it just doesn't stop. Now it's just the screen. It's just it's all red, and you're just like. My God. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that honesty, too, because yeah. I think I think a lot of chefs and a lot of people, I mean, even no matter what industry you're talking about, listen to any podcast and the guy's going to talk about how good he was or how, you know, or like how he did things. You know, <laughs> I think I think I think this side of things needs to be told where it's like, look, shit isn't perfect. Shit yeah. doesn't always work out. Shit isn't their fault, my fault or, you know, that that sort of thing. It's just not a right fit or whatnot, yeah. you know, that, that sort of thing. So I really appreciate you being open and honest with that. That's huge. I mean, I think everyone has has their own skills and, you know, I'm good at some things, but whew, being a kitchen manager there was not one of them. It was, <laughs> it was really tough. And, um, you know, I tried my best, but um, I'm kind of glad I left when I did. Yeah. And this whole time, are you starting to, I mean, you know, develop your own concept? Are you starting to think about your own things? Yeah. So I started writing a, a business plan for a Southeast Asian restaurant because mm-hmm. um, uh, I always kind of think back to Singapore. And as a kid um, going to boarding school there, it was kind of like paradise. Um, a lot of freedom. Um, well, less so because we're in boarding school. We're only allowed out on Saturdays. But you know, even so, you didn't need a car to get anywhere. Public transport's great. It's clean. Uh, the food's amazing. Um, and so I really wanted to bring Singaporean food or, you know, Southeast Asian food in general um, back here. And looked around, looked at a bunch of different places. Um, you know, just I didn't have the experience the knowledge um, that made landlords comfortable. So, you know, it was either, well, we don't think you're going to do the volume you need to here at this at this location, or to other ones, just they just they ch- chose places that were going to a second location, right. into yeah, their second location. Yeah, proven track record, exactly. Um, eventually, I started getting. So, I hate doing nothing. <laughs> Um, I hate, well, I say that actually, I love doing nothing, but (laughs) I I constantly fantasize about it, but I hate when I have a mission in my mind and I'm not accomplishing anything. Um, you know, our friend, uh, David Buer, who owns Greenway Coffee was like, Hey, why don't you come to Greenway Plaza? I'm like, really? What's, what's down there? And so I came and I looked and, you know, he's like, you know, I think a couple of these places might be might be looking to sell. And eventually it turns out, you know, it was the, it was the burger place that was down here. Um, and he's like, you know, just go try a burger and just, just take a look at the, the lunch flow. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this was actually mid-December where it is really slow down here <laughs> um, because everyone's on vacation. Right. Oh, so okay. we come down here have a burger it was okay and looked around and there's like this is like dead I'm like david are you kidding me like it's like a ghost town down here like, <laughs> right my costs are going to be higher than yours and uh, so essentially i was like nah i'm good a couple of more months passed by now i'm getting really desperate you know i'm like let me go take another look and so i come back and there's normal lunch 
um, crowd and it's actually like, okay, there's people here. Yeah. This could work. Um, I reach out to him and then, you know, we have a dinner um, with the owners of the burger place and uh, John from Ricebox, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, since everyone down here kind of knows each other, um, we all met and ate and um, eventually we worked out a deal um, and we came down here and I was hesitant. I was very hesitant because I had no interest in doing a burger shop. They're just obviously Southeast Asian food was on the forefront of my mind. And there are other things I want to do. You know, I, I love steaks. Um, I want nothing more to, than to do a steakhouse of some kind. Um, somewhere down the line. Uh, sushi, you know, my first job. Still one of my greatest passions. Um, but I think I've realized I'll never become a sushi master. It's just way too fucking hard. It's so, <laughs> you know, I have... I. Since then, I have bought a couple of fancy knives, and you know, I get to play sushi chef at home every now and then. But that's about <laughs> that's about it. If I do a sushi restaurant, I would need a sushi chef to actually do it. Well, you're teasing us all the a time. Home sushi is a, is a is a low risk too, right? Home sushi yes. is low risk. Right. <laughs> but you're teasing us all the time, man, with with stuff that you're posting and, and everything on your Instagram feed. I'm just like, God damn it! Someone get this guy a fucking restaurant <laughs> so I can try some of this stuff. Or man, I need to get myself invited over to the I next like here. I, yeah, I right. Need to come over here. I know, man. And the specials that you do too. And I know we're we're kind of jumping ahead and so yeah. Forth. So while you're gearing yourself up for this, you know what your weaknesses are. You know yeah. what you know. You know what you're. You know, just like anybody who else, you know, has to do that. Mm-hmm. You're you're taking the leap. What's yeah. going through your head? Um, this is something I'm really good at. Is I can have a pretty blank mind. So I'm going in, and then I'm just thinking of all the small tasks mm-hmm. that are going to lead up to opening this restaurant. Um. I probably should have been a lot more worried than I was. You know, it was just like, what do I need to do to get open, to get to the next step, to get to the next step? And, um, you know, we save as much money as we could by doing a lot of the the design stuff ourselves. And um, eventually it got to the point where we were going to open. I had a skeleton crew, um, you know, a cook who had staged at Oxheart a long time ago. I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, what are you up to? I'm opening a restaurant. Want to come help me? Um, And she said, sure. And I was just so naive. I was thinking, we don't have plates. We don't have silverware. You know, everything's disposable. We don't need a dishwasher. Um, We don't need, you know, a prep cook. We don't need all the stuff. And, you know, we had a three-day soft opening where, we would open pretty much when every other place was closing. So afternoon, where it, when it's completely dead. Mm-hmm. And those first three days were just so brutal. Just with all my experience, I had no clue how to run a burger restaurant. That's not anything I had ever, nothing I had ever done prepared me for. It. Right. Um, was this was your first soft opening were you doing a more classical style burger at the time because this was what wasn't it, it, it was something before burger chan yes yeah, so it was kuma burgers right originally um and then you know i'm skipping ahead but about a year in we get a season desist from kuma's corner in chicago 
Um, fuck you very much. And um, <laughs> we, um, so yeah, we were Kuma Burgers. You know, Kuma means bear in Japanese. Who the fuck trademarks Kuma? You know, sorry, I'm 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 Go ahead. going to left field here, no, but uh, no, anyway, no, you're good. Um, it is. It helps it, listeners. Well. It seriously it, does. It was inspired by this um, this Japanese comic I was reading at the time, uh, Shokuko, Shokugeki no Soma. So it's Food Wars, and there's a character in there, and in some scenes he's just wearing an apron, nothing else, um, and there's a bear on the on the front, and it says Kuma Bear. Oh, oh okay, all right. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. And Diane's like, "Why don't you call it Kuma Burgers?" And it's like, "Yeah, why not?" So we did. Um, <laughs> You know, we make we we do so much analysis for these big decisions, right? Just, <laughs> no, that sounds cool. All right, we'll go with it. Done. Done. And um, okay, so day one, um, day one was a nightmare for a lot of reasons. One, you know, we had hired two front of house; they were fully trained. Day one, one of them, ten minutes before she was supposed to show up, she texts me saying, "I can't do it." Family emergency. Um, I think it was pretty sure it was a legit emergency. Okay. Um, and but Diane's there with our baby, um, our daughter, um, and suddenly it's like we gotta call my parents. Like, hey, can you come to this food court, watch our baby, so Diane can cashier. Um, and just on top of that, it was just we were just so unprepared. I mean, those first three days were honestly pretty epically embarrassing it was just a shit show it was so just even like you know you see us now we have these clips for our menus mm -hmm. um i don't know this is i don't know why it took so long but we literally went through three iterations every day we tried a different clip system and the first two were just ridiculously bad um you know the first one didn't come off the line I had thought maybe at some point if we have enough clips that there'll be a you know a dead time where we could push the clips back um <laughs> which was really stupid and the second one just fell off way too it wasn't and so finally just very luckily on the third day we discovered these bad clips and they're perfect because it's the width of the paper you can push a bunch of them all at once um so from, from day one, you were doing customizable burgers where the person yes. check, checks them off. Inspired by which which. Okay. Uh, so just getting ready to ask you. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Was the per burger patty the way it is now? So now we have two choices, right. um, the two ounces and the five ounces. Um, we have one patty, two patty, three patties. Our, our menu has continued to evolve and become more and more ridiculously customizable so mm -hmm. originally it was just a five ounce patty okay actually day one it was a four ounce patty and then one day there were some construction workers down here and, and they're like your burger's great that's too small <laughs> and then you know but then we're kind of trying to also consider all the all the workers you know a lot of them don't want a gigantic burger for lunch right. so we compromised and went up to five ounces um but now we have the two ounce, the five ounce. You can do three two ounce patties. We've had a couple of people do three five ounce patties, which is almost a pound. Mm -hmm. um, we get people who want thicker burgers. They're like, can you take 
a five and a two and smash them together. And we're like, sure. Um, so we do it all. Um, not that we're encouraging everyone to do that because they're <laughs> very they certainly slow down your ticket time. They do they? slow down our ticket times. Um, so we evolved um, slowly. We knew we needed to add a lot more staff. Yeah. Um, and those opening days, I was actually super lucky. So from my short stint at Dish Society, um, I made a couple of, of friends. Um, and they came to check it out to show their support. And they just saw that we were in over our heads. And they jumped back there and helped us out. And cool. they continued doing so on their days off for the next couple of weeks. Wow. Um, all the time, you know, I am looking, I am trying to get someone else, two other people at least. And, you know, by week three, they're like, hey, are you trying to look for someone else? I'm like, <laughs> I swear I am. And, and week three, I think, was the time when we hired a couple of other people and things started to, to normalize a little. Sort of click a little bit. Yeah. Settle down. And yeah. You sleep at night a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, actually, um, yeah, I don't remember how long had passed, but then, um, so someone who was a kitchen manager with me at Dish Society came to show his support. He came to eat, and he really enjoyed the burgers. Um, he said, do you want me to cook here? And I said, I can't afford you. Like, I know what we both got paid as as kitchen managers and I'm it's breadcrumbs compared to that like and you know he's like we'll throw out a number and so I did he's like yeah I can make that work and he came and he um he left for a bit for another job but then came back and he's been with us for like definitely over two years I don't know how long you realized he liked his nights and weekends yeah that's part of it (laughs) um but I think he's just a really nice guy, very loyal to, and just uh, so integral to what we're doing because he's on flat top. And right. on the days that he can't make it or has just cannot be here, I'm on flat top. And it sucks. <laughs> flat top is, is pretty hard. It's, uh, it's hot, obviously, which I'm used to. You know, Oxart had a French steel top thing that Mm -hmm. was um just cranked on high all the time just ridiculously hot to the point where when you go for pants even though you know you're holding a towel because you know the handles are sure blazing but if you leave your hand out there for too long your pinky starts to hurt (laughs) from being so close to the surface Mm -hmm. um it's greasy like no other things smashing a burger patty is the amount of grease that you get covered with is insane. Right. Um, so definitely, um, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it every day, mm-hmm. you know, um, as often as he does it, obviously. So I well, think it's, it's, it's safe to say no restaurant can exist without its workers, without its oh, team. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And you have to know what what you can execute and what you can't, you know, because I think, you know, you've talked about leading or or dividing and conquering 
the aspects of the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and your wife has come on to kind of help you out with the things that, yes, you know, you, you, you don't want to or so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> turns out there are a lot of things I don't like to do. Um, you know, she's really taken the, the front of house position and created manuals and uh, fine tuned it. And um, she is way better at talking to people than I am. Um, usually, you know, when a customer comes to ask something, it's usually staff trying to pull me away. So I'm not talking to them because it usually <laughs> leads to an argument of some kind. Um, and, and she's full time with you full time. So the, the, the dynamic of the restaurant, the dynamics of the things that you want to do, uh, you know, y'all are, y'all are 100% in and that's, yes. that's really cool. I think it's kind of a silver lining that this place isn't open for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all are open early though, correct? Yeah. So we do breakfast and lunch. We're open at seven. Right. So one of us needs to get in by six. Mm-hmm. Every day. Um, but at least you have the nights and weekends a, yes. a little bit, which I mean, I, I assume y'all either dated or were engaged where, you know, like, hey, I got the weekend off. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll see you Wednesday night, you know, <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know that y'all are, you know, thinking about, you know, a second spot or, you know, is there something sure. on the horizon? I mean, you've got all these ideas and I, I yeah. can't wait for steak night, you know, or something like that. At, at, at yeah. Beach, you know, to, to um, see what you can do. We, we have been thinking about something else for a long time. Um, and at one point it was actually going to be another Southeast Asian restaurant. Um as our second concept, but um, I think we've decided we're probably gonna expand Burger Chan a little more first. Um, you know, we're looking. I think we have some good options, and we'll we'll see what happens. We're excited for you. If, if people haven't had your burger before, I really enjoy it. You know, even Thank you. though it is a super thin patty, you know, um, I, I think it just comes across. And I think, you know, we talked about it a little yeah. bit, how the burger needs to stand on its own and the patty stands on its own, bar none. So if you had to compare Burger Chow mm-hmm. to some, the patty, right? What, which concept is out there that you would, that, that the so, listener could relate it to? Sure. The two ounce patty would be kind of like you're in and out. Right. Okay. Um, the five ounce patty, um, it's going to be... Hard to say. The five ounce patty is a little flatter than. Is it like a smash burger? They are absolutely smashed. Yeah. I envision the smash burger. I don't know why, but mm. is that close? It is close. Okay. Um, and you know, honestly, now we get requests for thicker patties, um, so we do it. You know, and um, I've tried. I eat our burgers a lot. Obviously, <laughs> um, I have to test the product. You know, and uh, quality control. Quality control, exactly. Um, and I've tried really thick burgers that we do. I've tried the original burger. I've tried the thin patties. And, you know, I think my current favorite is getting a triple two ounce. There you go. Um, in that you get so much sear. Yeah. You do a thick burger and that's what's missing. You don't, you, you have a great, we always do a great sear, but there's just so much meat to get through to get to that sear. Yeah. Um, three two ounce patties. It's six ounces of meat. You get cheese, you know, three slices of cheese on there. 
three layers of sear. Yeah, I know, right? My, st my stomach's growling. Yeah. Are you still open? Is someone down there? <laughs> yeah, right? well, you're here. You we can fire it up. Yeah. Right? We can fire it up, right? But yeah, you get that. I would. So it's a, it's on a griddle top, flat mm -hmm. top. So you get it, some caramelization of the protein in there. Yeah. You get your richness from the cheese. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking myself into. Man, but then then all the toppings that you have on top of it. It's not your typical mayonnaise and mustard or, or whatnot y'all I, I think you know it, it was really nice i went up and i ordered one style and um y'all suggested a, a, a different you know sauce to go with it which it came on the side you know yeah. and i i think i got the chive aioli yeah the, the scallion scallion aioli yeah. thank you yeah but there's so many other ones that i'm like man you know you'll you'll have to do the math problem for it to to with all of these options how many <laughs> you know can, can how many burgers can you create you know uh, but I think that that sets y'all apart ridiculously as well. The, uh, it was a Thousand Island that, that y'all had suggested, and it wasn't a heavy Thousand Island. It was it was very unique on its own. So all of that is is what sets y'all apart in that the burger stands on its own, but all this extra is so cool too. Cool. Um, I think the one thing that I'm really excited to try too is actually your veggie patty because it's eggplant, correct? Mm -hmm. So... You know that's different than like a impossible burger, you know, type right. of thing. I'm, I'm so what's super the binder? Excited. What's the binder in the eggplant? So it it's Chinese eggplant. Um, it is not. I I would liken it more to like chicken tenders. Okay. <laughs> um, they're soy braised, and then we bread them and then fry them. So you make them in house? Yes. This is a veggie patty you make in house. Okay. And is it like a two ounce, three ounce, four ounce? Um, it's like, you know, depending on the size of the eggplant pieces, we'll put anywhere from like two to four pieces of eggplant on there. Okay. All right. It's, you know, about equivalent to a meat patty. I was still envisioning a patty, but it's not, it's not. You're, you're... We tried the patties actually originally. We did the, we found the, the thickest like American or Italian eggplants that you could, um, cut them into rounds and mm -hmm. we soy braised it, but it's so hard to consistently get them that big. And we eventually found that the Chinese eggplant just cooks up a little better. Um, I feel like the, the Italian eggplant almost feels a little watered down after you try like a Japanese eggplant or, you know, a Chinese eggplant. Yeah. You know, for some reason, I think it's, it's kind of like a, we a also, um, yeah. squash, you know. <laughs> we also somehow just had more instances where it tasted a little bitter. Mm -hmm. Um, seemed to be less of an issue when we switched to Chinese eggplant. So, and for those that don't eat meat, is it vegan, vegetarian, GMO? So there is egg wash in there. So it is vegetarian. not not vegan. The only vegan thing we really have would be our veg chili, mm -hmm. the three bean chili. Um, we season it the exact same way we do our turkey chili. Um, we used to do beef chili, and then we kind of switched to turkey chili because. We didn't want to charge that much for it. Um, well, the price has stayed the same, but the price of beef has kept going up, especially yeah. since sure. we uh, switched to 44 Farms. Right. It's just like, people used to gripe about the $6 bowl of beef chili. Like, if we switched to 44 Farms and kept it beef, it'd probably be like a 7 or $8 bowl of chili. And right. people would just go crazy. They'd just be like, what, $8? Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole menu sounds you know awesome like i said I, I got to try you know uh, the burger and everything and that's a standalone outstanding burger um we also could not be rooting for y'all more you know just for the people that you are the story that you have the the work that we know that you put in 
um, and the way that everybody's talked about y'all. Because, I mean, that whole Greenway complex, yeah. everybody knows each other. And if you're an asshole, they're probably not going to be like, you need to go over there and try that spot, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I really appreciate you taking so much time to be on our podcast. You know, Ooh. you started super, you both started early this morning, whether it was mm -hmm. at the restaurant or with the little ones. <laughs> so um, we could not be bigger cheerleaders for what y'all have in the future. We're super excited to see what you can come up with. Um, and, Thank you. And I, I can't wait to see, you know, the, those curveballs that you're going to start throwing that are outside of burgers, you know, because it's, it's one thing for you to be mm -hmm. like, you know what, I'm just going to open up a burger joint. Yeah. Do the typical burger and it'll be fine because people are going to crave a burger inside an office building and we'll just do a standard burger to be as creative as you have been. Um, and to also, you know, to, to, to bring all of that mm -hmm. to the table is, is so unique and so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you guys are always welcome on the show, but for those who don't know where you are, tell us where you are. Where you sure. Going. So we're in the hub at Greenway Plaza. So technically it's five Greenway Plaza um, suite C 630, but that doesn't help anyone. <laughs> if you know where Lakewood Church is, we're right around there. Okay. So the come Summit. Yeah, come in the is a food court, right? There's yeah. a Greenway Coffee or a Green, Green. Yeah, Greenway Coffee. Coffee. coffee Rice uh, Box. Rice Box. just Barbecue. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So All over there. There's the next seed pop-up space yes. as well, which is currently... Kowak. Kowak. Thank you yes. for pronouncing it for me. Um, but you know that's a temporary spot for them as yep. they you know build up their funding and so forth. Their stuff is delicious, by the way. Yeah, I can't wait. If to you try if you it. haven't tried it yet, no, I haven't. So, but this is awesome too because we've yeah. seen it in the barbecue community where guys are promoting each other. They mm -hmm. they, they put their stickers up mm -hmm. here. It's really cool that in the same space where you're competing for the same customers, you guys are still promoting the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um. And 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 promoting each other and wanting each other to do well. So. So hours of operation and days of operation. Sure, Monday through Fridays, um, 7 to 10.30 is breakfast, and then 10.30 till 2 for lunch. Okay, right. that's why you got to get here at 6 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Social media? <laughs> um, so Instagram, at BurgerChanHTX, um, Burger, C-H-A-N, like Chan, um, HTX for Houston, Texas. Um, website, BurgerChanHTX.com. I can't remember if there was the HTX in there or not. So. Okay, right. Diane is in charge of that. There she made go. sure so it's all consistent. Know. She knows. She's giving him the nod. Yep. I'd probably have it three different ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We'll have all the links and everything in the in the description and in the show notes and so forth. So, um, pleasure meeting you guys. Great journey. Great journey to get to this point. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you'd have it any other way. Quite honestly. Sounds like you're pretty adventurous. Not. Your parents <laughs> have the same adventure. You're following in that step. So congratulations. Thank you. I think you're doing a great job and they should be very proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. And I and I can't wait for listeners to to hear this part of the journey and then whatever comes next. You know, so we're we're definitely gonna have you back on whatever comes forward. Cool. So. There there are some interesting ideas. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Interesting <laughs> sounds good. That sounds great. And that's a great way to leave it off. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cost of Goods Told. Thank you to our sponsor, Duke's Premium Meats. Thank you to Next Seed for hosting us. And thank you, as always, to our guests uh, for coming on and spending so much time. We really, really appreciate it. And and I really appreciate how open and honest you've been. Well, <clears throat> um, cannot Absolutely. thank, thank you, you enough because our listeners are benefiting from this. Yep. So everyone will uh, be back with another episode. Uh, please like and subscribe. Five stars, five stars always helps. Thanks. Y'all have a good one.